This is KYUK, public radio for the Yukon-Kuskokwim Delta. I'm Francisco Martinez Cuello. Bethel Search and Rescue is putting out a travel advisory. There is no travel recommended on the ice road at this time due to deteriorating conditions and deepening water. They will be closing the ice bridge at the Bethel Boat Harbor until the weather gets colder. U.S. Senator Lisa Murkowski gave her annual address to the Alaska Legislature on Wednesday morning, February 22nd, with more advice for lawmakers than she usually provides. First, though she stuck with her usual script and listed a string of highlights from the prior year, she said millions of dollars are coming to the state from the federal infrastructure law. She also mentioned nearly $750 million in Alaska-bound earmarks she requested that are in the yearly appropriations bills. And then she pivoted. It's a beautiful day in Juneau. And as sunny a day as it is, there's there's also um, this next part of my speech, which is perhaps not so sunny. She cited a decade of outmigration and economic stagnation in Alaska. The state, she said, is recovering more slowly from COVID-19 than almost anywhere else. Murkowski challenged lawmakers to have a vision and reach for it. Alaska needs to be the place where people want to move to and want to stay because they have good jobs that support their families. They have a good place to live. They have good schools where their kids can excel. They have a quality of life that cannot be matched anywhere else. Where we take care of our fellow Alaskans when they, when they hit rough patches. Murkowski is 65 and has been in the U.S. Senate for 20 years. This was her first address to the legislature since becoming the senior member of the state's congressional delegation. Her more pointed remarks seemed aimed at lawmakers who are unwilling to solve the state's fiscal crisis, except by shrinking government services. She asked lawmakers to think big, particularly in the area of transportation. We need to be thinking big about how we move our people, our resources, our freight, our trash. Let's not lower our sights here. She told lawmakers they can't rely solely on federal money and need to step up with the state's share of the cost. Murkowski wrapped up her speech saying she hoped she hasn't stepped on any toes and said, quote, I didn't necessarily stay in my lane today, end quote. The U.S. Senate goes back into session next week after taking this week off for the President's Day holiday. Representative David Eastman is no stranger to controversy, but the Republican lawmaker's questions at a House Judiciary Committee on Tuesday, February 21st, has triggered a wave of anger from child advocates on social media. During a presentation from the Alaska Children's Trust about the impact of adverse childhood experiences, known as ACEs, the Wasilla lawmaker asked the trust director, Trevor Stores to compare state costs for dealing children who die from abuse versus the trauma of those who survive. You know, in the case where child abuse is fatal, it, obviously it's not good for the child, but it's actually a benefit to society because there aren't needed for government services and whatnot over the whole course of that child's life. Through the chair, can you say that again, to say a benefit for society? Stores was at first taken aback by the question and then struggled to respond. I'm not even sure how to answer that, that there's a cost saving to, for de- uh, to the death of a child. The impact that that has on a family and us as a society when a child is lost, especially to child abuse and neglect, is unmeasurable. Uh, and it's, uh, it's hugely tragic. And follow-up? Follow-up. And uh, the way that you're calculating this 1.5 million, and when I say you, I mean the, the people who did calculate it, um, does that 1.5 million get higher or lower 
um, depending upon the age at which the child uh, is killed. Representative Cliff Grow questioned Eastman's point. Representative Grow. Oh, thank you, Madam Chair. Um, I want to, I, first of all, I guess I want to uh, join with Mr. Storrs, and I'm disturbed by the recent line of questioning. And I, 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 as someone who's prosecuted child abuse cases, um, it was uh, very sad and terrible. Another Anchorage Democrat, Pat Gray, responded by sharing his own story. I had a um, an intense reaction to something that was said earlier. Um, I um, adopted my child through the foster system. Um, my child came with a very high ACES score. That definitely meant that we had uh, resources that needed to be expended to um, help my child. But what I heard was, um, and it may not have been intended, but what I heard was that that there would be a cost savings if a child with a high ACES score didn't survive. And um, I would just say that for me personally, um, my child is the greatest joy I've ever had, that there is no price tag on that. And I just wanted to say that. Thank you, Madam Chair. Homer Representative Sarah Vance, who chairs the House Judiciary Committee, allowed Eastman to attend. But Eastman is not a member of the House majority, which refused his request to join the caucus. Both Vance and Eastman are anti-abortion advocates. Twenty pounds of methamphetamine were seized last week in what law enforcement is calling one of the largest drug busts in southeast Alaska in recent years. As KRBD's Eric Stone reports, a regional drug enforcement team worked together to locate the meth, which was bound for Alaska on a ferry. It all started with a tip. Alaska State Trooper Sergeant Casey Hirschberger contacted the Southeast Alaska Cities Against Drugs Task Force to say he'd heard a shipment of meth would soon make its way towards Alaska, and it would be big, 10-plus pounds. Lieutenant Craig Campbell of the Juneau Police Department explains. Yeah, so we received some information um, from down south with some partnering law enforcement agencies that there may be a person traveling to Juneau on the Alaska Marine Highway System that was carrying a, a large quantity of methamphetamine. The meth would get a heck of a ride. It would sail through the inside passage on the crown jewel of the Alaska Marine Highway fleet, the ferry Columbia, from Bellingham to Juneau. But after a trip up the coast of British Columbia, the meth's journey was interrupted in Ketchikan. Acting on Hirschberger's tip, a state trooper and a Ketchikan detective boarded the Columbia with a search warrant for stateroom 151A and its occupant, 43-year-old Oregon man Michael D. Davis. There, they found a blue duffel bag. Inside, says Ketchikan Police Lieutenant Andy Berenson, were 18 packages of meth wrapped in tortillas. <laughs> that is correct. That was a new one. So it looked like big old overstuffed burritos. The packages totaled roughly 20 pounds. That's upwards of a million dollars worth of meth. Officers arrested Davis and took him to Ketchikan Correctional Center, where he's facing a felony drug charge that carries a maximum sentence of 10 years in prison. Information on bail was not immediately available. While Davis's journey ended in Ketchikan's jail, the blue duffel bag continued north on the Columbia, along with what investigators describe in court documents as a representative sample of the seized drugs. But now the bag's traveling companion was Jack Ford, a Ketchikan police department detective. Again, Juno Police Lieutenant Craig Campbell. Throughout that investigation, we were able to determine that the end goal for that methamphetamine was it was supposed to go to uh, a person in Juno who was supposed to pick it up at the ferry 
When the Columbia docked in Juno's Ock Bay, Detective Ford walked off the ferry with the blue duffel and a phone seized from Davis. According to court documents, investigators believed the meth was coming from Miles Martin, an Oregon resident and the son of 59-year-old Juno woman Nanette Brown. So Detective Ford texted Brown to let her know he'd arrived. Soon afterwards, a silver Nissan pickup pulled up. The driver told the undercover detective to put the bag in the truck, and the two went their separate ways. Shortly after, police stopped and arrested the driver, who they identify as Nanette Brown's husband, 60-year-old Rodney Brown. Then, officers' attention turned to the Browns' Vista Drive apartment in Douglas. They watched as Nanette Brown went to a neighbor's apartment carrying a multicolored bag. Police say it contained two ammo boxes, one with nearly $70,000 in cash, the other with more than half a pound of meth and roughly 150 pills thought to contain fentanyl. Police arrested Nanette Brown and searched her home. According to court documents, they found nine guns and another cache of meth. The Browns are facing two felony drug charges and a felony weapons charge. All told, the bust was among the largest in recent memory. Campbell, the Juno police lieutenant, says it's the biggest he's overseen in the three years he's been in charge of the department's drug unit. He says he expects it'll make a dent in the supply of meth in Juno. I think that's going to be a huge impact. I mean, we don't see that quantity come into southeast Alaska. I think it's very rare, rare. Um, so in any time we you know, make an arrest where the lot or good amount of quantity is. We hear about it, and we, you know, from people from the community who we have uh, partner with and have contacts with. Beardson, the Ketchikan lieutenant, says he expects the 20-pound bus to reduce the supply of meth in smaller communities throughout southeast Alaska. And he says that's the goal of the regional task force. Though drug trafficking is sometimes thought of as a victimless crime, Berenson says that misses the bigger picture. When people get on these types of drugs, they aren't the people they used to be. They do things. Uh, out of desperation, uh, they do things because they need to get the drugs, and so that just trickles into all other <clears throat> areas of crime. Berenson says in recent years, it's also become somewhat rare to see bus aboard state ferries. Many recent buses have been tied to air travel or the U.S. mail. Berenson chalks it up to a couple of factors. You know, the, the sailings haven't been as frequent in, in recent years, and, um, you know, drug Drug dealers essentially like uh, a couple things, one speed and two reliability. All three defendants have pleaded not guilty. They're due for court hearings in the coming weeks. Reporting in Ketchikan, I'm Eric Stone. This is KYUK News. I'm Francisco Martinez Cuello. Kuyana for listening. Please share your news tips, comments, or suggestions. You can email us at news at kyuk.org or message us on Facebook. And stay tuned for News Yuktun coming up.